This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get delivered to your door for a fraction of the price you pay in stores. To learn more, visit casper.com slash supertrain. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Oh, super duper. Mm, I have to tell you something at the outset. Oh, so yeah, let's hear I have it. an important uh, public service announcement for you. This never happens. Yeah, so uh, if I edited this show, I would cut this out. But um, uh, five or so days ago, my Mac started suddenly dying. Like, mm-hmm. as in, it was uh, the equivalent of, like, basically, if you just pulled out the plug. It would just die. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Which is, which is as, as we say in the woke Twitter uh, community, it's problematic. Is that a bug or a feature? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, long story short, uh, I'm pretty sure it's probably the power supply for a variety of reasons, including that it takes about five days to get an appointment to drop your Mac off to be looked at. I've been doing lots of uh, like crazy monkey stuff trying to like figure if I can troubleshoot it myself. I think yeah. I've iso- <laughs> you know, yeah. it's this is real medieval stuff. Basically, I've tried unplugging everything, I've reset everything, I've done many many things. And mm-hmm. I, I, it appears so far that You're a as, computer guy. Well, I used to be, sure. Yeah. It appears that if I don't as long as I don't use a certain keyboard, it stays up for at least 36 hours. <laughs> okay. So, I just I Here's the thing. I, I, I love our relationship. I think it's a strong relationship. But if for some reason I suddenly stop talking and go away, <laughs> it might be because uh, the iMac wanted to have a little nap. I understand. We get sleepy. You get sleepy, you know? Yeah, it does. Well, I mean, I've I had, had, it, had it for questions. over a year. It's been a pretty tired machine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a couple of questions. Mm. Yes, you uh, there. Is this a technical question? Well, a couple. I mean, uh, for question number one... Uh, when I first met you, you had a lot of computers. Yeah, yeah. You had a computer over here. You had a computer over there. You had a yeah. computer over here. You had one under the desk. Got you the had the Arab. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how many computers are you like? Are you, when you say my computer, are you down to a computer? That's, that's a very. It's a very very good question. Uh, yeah, you met me at a time when I had, I believe. When we first started hanging out, when we had our, our important last weekend where you, me, and Sean made the Long Winners website, right. uh, it was – I had my desktop Mac, which I think at that point was still my big blue and white G3 Yosemite. I had a Windows PC on a plank that I was using to do cold fusion development. And I mm-hmm. probably was – yes, I was definitely still using my PowerBook from the late yeah. 90s. Did, did, wasn't there a computer running in the background doing SETI research? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's still looking. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing is when you and I first met, mm-hmm. first, when we first – when we first uh, – now, you know, you can, you can cut this out. No. But I think – your main computer was a PC, and you had just recently purchased an Apple that you were experimenting with. That is a, an impression that is very understandable. Um, mm-hmm. uh, no, actually, I've been using a Mac since 1987. It's how I learned how to use a computer. And my first job, B job, and I, you know, I eventually got a Mac in college, an, a, yeah. one of the lower end uh, Mac SE with Did floppy you drives. Learn- did you learn on an Apple IIe? No, no, I hated computers. 
hated computers. I, I somewhat famously in the mythology dropped music theory when I was a senior and moved into stage band to play guitar. <laughs> I hated it. I didn't understand basic. I thought it was <laughs> stupid. But no, I'm the the thing was I hadn't even I had my total amount of time until about two thousand one. My total amount of time ever on a on a PC would probably be less than two hours ever. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! But there, this long story is a boring story. But basically, yeah. there's this de- development environment that was much easier to do on a PC. So my boss gave me a janky ass five year old PC to do this on. Oh, I see, I see. But you know the thing, Harold. Here's the thing that's really changed: is you used to really have to have a computer because that's where your stuff lived, and you know it's. Um, it was where uh, th- everything you think of, like your obviously your files and your applications. You know, if you wanted to files. have another copy of Word on another computer, you bought another copy of Word and you moved sure. around with a floppy disk or eventually network drives. But no, I mean, like we make jokes about the cloud, but like honestly, it's it's amazing how much stuff I can do on any device, and yeah. uh, and that's actually I think I think we kid, but I think that stuff actually has gotten on Apple's end has gotten a lot better. Hmm. The the dying iMac. That's probably my fault. I'm probably using it wrong. I'm probably holding it wrong. <laughs> okay, now here's another question. Yes. About your hygiene, computer mm-hmm. hygiene. Do you just leave it on all the time or do you turn it off? I do. There was a time when it was believed. There's so many things that are just based on. You ever heard this is an old story I heard from John Syracuse? You ever heard the, uh, the old story about uh, cutting the ends off the roast? Um. The story goes. Uh, the story goes that that uh, someone in the house is preparing a roast and mm-hmm. they cut the ends off the roast. I like the story already. But it's, no, it's, don't cut the ends off the roast. Well, you cut the ends off the roast, and 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 then the other person, the, the younger person, that perhaps the child says, uh, you know, hey, why why do you cut the ends off the roast? And they say, I cut the ends off the roast because my mom cut the ends off the roast. Oh. And you go, it's, it's it's ends of the roast all the way down until you eventually <laughs> like discover. The original roast cutter did it because they only had a small pan and would make it fit oh, in there. Oh, see. Isn't that a good story? See, that's a good story. It's a good story. There's all kinds of cutting the ends off the roast things the computer users have done for years that don't even really make that sense. I mean, how many times have you been somewhere and you see people in line, if they're not playing a Facebook game or something, they're, they're quitting apps? Like, you don't need to quit apps on your phone, but people no. think that's a thing you should do. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Um, you got a pan. You got a pan big enough to hold the roast. Yeah. Yes. The pan. The pan has 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 gotten bigger. And so one of the one of the pieces of conventional wisdom back in my day was you should turn off the computer at night. It saves energy. It increases the lifetime of the computer. And then of course you get as we call it in the business, it turns out where people say, no, actually, it takes more energy and wear on the computer to restart. And I don't know if any of it was true, but. They're so energy efficient today, and they do so much in the background that I think it, you know, just pays to leave them on. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, what did they say that it uh, it ends up using more energy to uh, to wash your hands than it does just to cure meningitis? Oh my goodness, is, is that is that recent scholarship, John? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I had no you know, idea. Meningitis yeah, just, is a big problem. It really is, and it comes from not washing your hands. Oh my goodness. I, I've gone through a whole renaissance of washing my hands again. I'm back on the hand washing. Oh, good, good, good. No, I never left it. I never really? left it. Okay. No. I, I'm, I, see, I feel like this is something where you peg people as OCD, but like once you've had a kid, mm. and like in our case, we were so freaked out, we had several, I don't know if you remember, we had several hand sanitizers stationed around the house for when people would arrive. But, you know, I can. I feel like this is anecdotal. This might be cutting the ends off the roast. But my kid went to a preschool where washing hands was part of everything that they You always were washing hands. And she got a lot fewer colds. 
Now today, you go on a field trip, the kids have been uh, touching trees and railings like monsters, and they just shove a sandwich in their gaping maw. Ugh, God, you know, you get that you get that Dutch elm disease from that. Is that what happens? Is that, yeah. that Which is worse? Is that or meningitis is worse? You touch a tree, okay. you, eat a sa- you cram a sandwich into your mouth with your tree gummy hands, you get Dutch elm disease right away. I think oh. that's way worse than meningitis. Ugh. It sounds terrible, or like that yeah. zombie ant thing. Where, you, know, you, know, you, know. you get a tree beetle infestation. Oh. Are there are there instances that you can think of in your own life that you have cut the ends off the roast? Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot? Well, yeah, yeah, there's tons of stuff in technology and there's just tons of stuff like you know, I guess the word would be superstition. That's mm-hmm. too strong a word, but it's something where like there's this thing we do. Okay, how about this? Do you do you well, you probably do this with your truck, but warming the car up. It used to be Oh, boy, I sure do it. <laughs> <laughs> it- it is the bane of everyone in my family because we get out in the truck, vroom, pump, start pump, it up, pump, and then pump, we pump, sit pump. there for 18 minutes, and everyone's like, "Let's go!" Right. And like, well, and you, you hear it. You hear it in our language today. Like you say, "Well, I take the car in for a tune-up." Well, you probably don't need to take your car in. You, you do, but like you don't need to take most cars in for a tune-up because there's nothing to tune up in the conventional sense, right? That's right. Or, in, in uh, how often do you say like so? Like you're going to watch a show. You ever, do you still say like I'm going to tape that show? Uh, no, because you don't tape things. I don't tape things. But or like you know, you you might say you're going to tape something when you're you're shooting a video on your phone. Some people will still oh, well, say I that. Just say I'm working on a record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many gram, how I many grams your, of vinyl? <laughs> I loved your new record. Yeah, you know, I heard like one track on a email. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> In in, uh, in music all the time. I mean, I I, I catch myself uh, doing things, patterns that I learned in the very earliest days of picking up the guitar. The the little boxes and shapes that I learned that I should have unlearned a thousand years ago. I sent a I sent an email the other day. I'm sorry, a text. I started a text thread mm-hmm. that included. Ted Leo, Amy Mann, Jonathan Colton, a couple other uh, guitar playing dinglings. Mm-hmm. And I said, Jim Boja, a couple of these people. And I said, how do you fret, how do you fret a G chord? How do you make a G chord? Mm-hmm. Oh, open G. Just an open G chord. Mm-hmm. In some senses, the simplest chord. Mm. Open G. My favorite chord. And of the seven people on the thread, I got back seven answers. What? different and it started a huge argument between between all these accomplished guitar players who have been playing guitar for 30 years in most cases and they're all like you play a g chord like that that's that, that's you know me in the d chord where i play it backwards g yeah. chord seems like a non-controversial chord <laughs> where no. the main thing is do you include the extra b c d do you include the extra d on mm-hmm. the b string that that was one of the things one of the the major bones of contention. Uh, I think you some, do. You do, don't you? I do as a as a diddle, but I don't. I as, don't as a twang. Yeah, like I think Ted plays the D in the G every time. Oh, interesting. Uh, I see. I would have guessed he does. I would see him doing more like a power chord. Well, yeah, except he's you know like he's a G Mr. and the D on the E and A string. He's Mister Jingle Jangle. Yeah, that's true. Now I guess, but uh, <laughs> but like. I always play the the low G. I always fret the E string on the G in my C chords. Oh, I know. I, I learned that from you, and I never look back. Yeah, I've never played a C. Changes without. everything. 
but uh, but so G chord, right? And the reason I asked it, the reason I sent it out there was I was I was playing my G, as I do, and I and I became self conscious about it hmm. because it's like the I fret it the ultimate sort of cowboy like day one of your guitar lessons way, just the basicest kind of darn G chord. Yeah. And it, and it felt unsophisticated to me all of a oh, sudden, but it's so pure. It was just like, so on an acoustic guitar, so many open strings. It's, ah, oh, it's a perfect chord. Yeah. But it just felt like herp a derp. So I, yeah, so I asked yeah. all my friends, I was like, what do you guys do? And you know, like Jonathan Colton has this whole, this whole philosophy of a g of a g chord hmm. that i mean, the way he frets it it involves like muting strings with the with the fat part of his fingers and and he keeps himself like he keeps the chord wide open so he can do all these little jackson brown twingity twangities mm -hmm. with his other fingers his he, likes open to, fingers. he likes to fogelberg it up yeah, he's 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 fretting it basically with his pinky on the top and his thumb on the bottom. I don't remember how he did it, but oh, it was sure you could do the reach around. Yeah, it was very controversial, okay. and everybody was like Peshaw, but he had that smug, you know, Yale music degree. Can I just say, John? Typical, like, typical. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyway, all by way of saying, when I sit down at the piano or when I sit at the guitar. Um, which you, you don't actually sit at. You a can, yeah. You can get one of those fruity little stools and put your foot up in the air. Who was the guy that the who was the blind guy about our age that played guitar like flipped up? Uh, huh. Or like, how did he play it? He uh, he was like uh, in the eighties, kind of like a bluesy rock guy. Blind guitar Jefferson. Blind guitar. It wasn't blind guitar Jefferson. <laughs> it might have been. It might have been uh, blind Willie Stewpot. Oh uh, right, right, right. Or but, it might have been a uh, uh, blind blind Jimmy Bindlepack. He was yeah, good. Bindlepacks. He's from the long line of Bindlepacks. <laughs> Uh, Were they the Facebook investors, the twins? <laughs> yeah. The Pax twins? They're still millionaires. I don't feel sorry for them. They're all about the Bitcoin now. Is that right? Mm -hmm. do you, wait a minute. Do you own a Bitcoin? Uh, I don't know. Hmm? One doesn't cool. talk about these things. Oh, I see, I see, I see. It's a cryptocurrency. Isn't it one of those things like my dad used to get paid in, in uh, like, uh, illusion art? And, uh, and like, you would get... It's I, like, prefer, it's like, I prefer Confederate script. <laughs> it's like the barter. Instead of giving you a chicken, people pay you in Bitcoin. People laugh at Confederate script, but I'm telling you, buddy, it's looking like it might make a comeback. <laughs> Jefferson Davis. And so... But so it's, anyway, it I'm seems so these simple. I'm doing these things that were like some guy wrote out on a piece of notebook paper, like, here's the blues scale. Boom, boom, and I boom, went home boom. and I was like, nah, 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 blues scale. And I still fucking play it every single day. The exact, I never learned anything else. I think basically. everybody's got a funny compulsive thing that they do. Yeah. You know, my yeah. compulsive thing with the little hammer on seat, you know, the little walk up. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I know. I love the little walk up. That's when I'm playing my little guitar ukulele, which is the main guitar that I play when I'm just sitting around thinking. Uh, I'll do that. Or I'll do the basic box where you slide from, I'll do an A pentatonic mm -hmm. where you do like a slide from g a do 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 and i'll do that and do a little bend on the fifth a little compulsive thing you know yeah. yep, Every, yep, i think yep. everybody's got those they've got those little like uh yeah compulsive things i just recently started arranging my dishwasher in a new configuration than this I have is ever huge this is a yeah, big deal it's a big deal i don't i don't 
like it. <gasps> but but well, hang on, though. What, did it come out of a reason, or you just felt like you needed a change? Yeah, I just, I you know, I didn't want to be one of those guys that arranges his dishwasher the same way for the rest of his life. Good for you, John. Yeah, so I started doing it a different way, and it's a it's a radically different way. It's going across the grain. Mm. Hmm. And there's a part of me that feels like, <clears throat> this couldn't work. This can't work. But I still... I mean, the, there's no there's no wasted space in the dishwasher, and I still manage to get all the typical. It's not like I have a bunch of leftover dishes, hmm. um, so it's working. But I, I'm 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 but still. Does, like, it, does it feel wrong? I'm just on pins and needles about it. It's like changing the way you wipe. It's one of those things where, like, even if you feel like there's an improvement to the system, it still feels wrong. It feels like you're at cross purposes with everything you know. Well, you know, the uh, apparently many 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 years ago. <clears throat> I encountered um, some little skirmish in the toilet paper roll wars mm -hmm. where it was it was presented to me as a choice that you can either put the toilet paper roll on top feeding or bottom feeding. Yep. And it was given to me that the majority used the top feeding method. And so in order I mean, my my native response to that was to be to take the road less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Mm -hmm. And so I put it on bottom rolling, two not because rolls, I two rolls diverted in a wood. That's right, not because I preferred it, mm -hmm. not because I cared one way or the other, because nothing could be more insignificant. Yeah, um, but I just did it that way, and then I posted a picture the other day of my toilet paper rolls somehow. Um, <clears throat> On the uh, on the internet, mm -hmm. and uh, I got all this blowback, all this like you know you're doing it wrong. Yeah, all the you're doing it wrong voices echoing out of the well. Actually, and I, I never heard a single person say, "Thank goodness, a man standing up for justice." Mm -hmm. And so now I feel I'm in a posture like the last time I changed the toilet paper rolls, I put them on top over, not because. I succumbed to peer pressure, but because I was wondering if there was some technological reason, if there was some massive improvement in the in the the way that this toilet paper was going to perform. Right. And so now I've been dealing with this sort of over the top stuff, and I'm trying to figure out like, am I am I doing this better? Am I am I more refreshed when I leave the 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 uh, the, the water closet? Am I? Do I go about my day with more of a spring in my step? It's really hard to discern in such a short, short amount of time. Uh, but it doesn't feel right. It feels weird. Yeah, I mean, I I used to have feelings about this. You know, there's just been there's been so many uh, minor differences that the world and the internet in particular chooses to have a, an obsession about. I mean, you get the whole yeah. like pineapple on pizza. There's all these different no. things that have yes. zero impact and that seems to make them all the more important. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't you know. Put pineapple on one kind of pizza. Let's agree. Hmm. Well, it's we all agree Hawaiian, on pineapple. It's a Hawaiian style pizza. Yeah. If you, if you order that, you get, you get pineapple on it. There it is. It's the end. Oh, interesting. Mekalekahai, mekahaini ho. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was culturally insensitive of me. I was thinking about this the other day. Yes. The degree this was this was very confusing to me at first, but then I thought that I I thought that I found a way out of the jungle. Which was that I was reflecting on Noam Chomsky. And 
I was reflecting on the fact that, you know, I, I liked, not liked, you can't say that you like Noam Chomsky, but I, I did a deep dive on Noam Chomsky during the time that we all did back in our, back in our twenties. Um, and, and, um, and my experience of Noam Chomsky was that there was nothing he said that that you could point a finger at and say, I dis, you know, that's wrong, right? I mean, everything he said conformed to my own beliefs and and supported my own suspicions and, you know, confirmed kind of my vision of the world. And I didn't I, – I, I agreed with Noam Chomsky all the way down. But – Still, it seemed that Noam Chomsky was wrong. Hmm. Like, he was, you couldn't point at anything. Like, all of his proofs were correct. And yet, still, in the aggregate, from the from a mile high, he was just, he was just wrong. Like, anarcho-syndicalism or whatever is not the solution. And, and I, and I was, you know, kind of chewing on this because it seems like a <clears throat> it seems like it would be it was I was trying to figure out how that was some insight into now and I realized that or I didn't realize but I but then I started thinking about how in math and in science you'll uh, people will pursue these elegant solutions to problems and the solution will be this beautiful thing that that it is right, absolutely right, all the way through it. And then at the very end, it is not correct, right? It doesn't solve for X. And the mathematician goes back to the drawing board and and a lot of times is a lot of times they waste years because it the thing they're working on is so beautiful and so true that they can't abandon it. And it and it started to just sort of <clears throat> sort of spin in my head that in the sciences we're we're able at least at the end to to, to examine the thing that is that is beautiful and if it doesn't work we have to throw it away even even in spite of its beauty or we keep certain parts of it but but we have to we have to acknowledge that it 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 isn't true. And in the social sciences and in politics, we can pursue these ideas, these like these towering sort of formations of ideas, and they feel true and they seem true and they all sort of logically follow. But at the end, we don't have that, you know, the the and 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 I think it's not that there isn't a true answer. It's just that we don't have the technology right now, the intelligence or the technology, to discern what the true answer is in in the science in the social hmm. sciences or in politics, right? We just can't see it. Hmm. And you know, a thousand years from now or even two hundred years from now, it may be possible to see the the true answers there. But now they're just still sort of like, oh, it's it's torses all the way down, or mm -hmm. you know, the the uh, the the stars in the sky are pinpricks in the fabric. And so we follow these elegant solutions, and we see these these beautiful sort of you know elaborate thought storms, and we say this must be true. And when we 
when we apply them to the world and they don't work and they, you know, they like, they, they utterly fail in a lot of cases to actually describe reality or to be useful, we can't abandon them because we, because that isn't, there's no control group large enough or there's, you know, there isn't that, uh, that arrival at like, does this solve the problem? Uh, absolutely not. No, it's always a question of does this solve a problem? Well, we haven't applied it enough times or we haven't, we don't <laughs> have enough funding or, you know, it only works in a vacuum or whatever. And, um, and so I was really like chewing on that as a kind of, uh, I don't know, like a hopefulness that, that where we are now, which is this like world of total subjectivity in politics and culture where everything is just like your opinion man mm-hmm. isn't the end that isn't that or isn't, even it could, it could be something where there's near universal assent for now about the scientific rigor and validity of a given theory which doesn't mean what everybody thinks it means but you know whether that's gravity or something <laughs> there mm-hmm. or you know how the shape of the earth um it, there are still going to be people who have their reasons why they choose to believe that it's, it isn't true or can't be true. That Earth is sitting in a gravity bag. Yeah, or like a great great tweet I saw not long ago, there are flat Earth society people all over the globe. <laughs> I, 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 think, I, think it's, I, I do think That's about this as somebody who's just a, an observer of all of these things and, uh, you know, an enthusiast sometimes about some mm. of these topics, but I, I, I think there's a, I have these sort of rough mental models, none of which is very complete, but... Yeah, well, here's one example. One example is my, my computer right now, where, you know, why does my computer work? Well, I don't know why or how my computer works. I can tell when it stops working, uh-huh. and then I can choose to identify what it is that made it work again. I don't know if it was actually unplugging the keyboard that quote-unquote fixed this. I don't think that's it. I think that was probably a symptom of a deeper problem. So I can, I can for the moment, be recording this program with you, believing that the problem is solved. But I, I don't even know what the problem is. I'm not sure if it's solved. And I, I don't know if it will or won't come back again, because who knows? That's, that's one kind of model for it, is that, you know, it's, it's a, again, it's a lot like cutting the ends off the roast. But with the science stuff, or any kind of scholarship in particular, in, in, this is in, an incomplete uh, mental model, but I do think of it a little bit like a like a puzzle. Like I think about when I was a kid, my family, uh, my mom mainly was putting together this very difficult. I think it was over five hundred pieces, but it was a very very large uh, puzzle of a coin. It was a Liberty dollar. Uh-huh. So, I bet it's more than five hundred pieces because I see fifteen hundred piece puzzles all the time well, at stores it, for kids. I know, I know, and I I never saw the appeal personally. But you know, the thing is, think about that. Think about making a one thousand piece puzzle of a coin. It's like a recipe for madness. It would be like doing uh, a puzzle of a of a, a, a above ground shot of a pool. I mean, every piece looks pretty much exactly the same. So, I mean, I mean, first you have to figure out what the puzzle is that you're trying to solve. You wonder if you have all of the pieces. And then as you go along, you start fitting them. And again, incomplete. But, like, that's the way I think about it a little bit. And these two pieces seem to fit together. But you may find that they actually fit together with this other piece. And that takes time. And it never really even takes into account whether you should be solving a puzzle at all. But that's, that's the thing. is like some scientific stuff or some scholarship comes too early. Sometimes maybe it comes too late. Sometimes it comes at the, you know, maybe, and again, maybe like with my computer, there's some kind of, there's something valid in what they're discussing, but it isn't 100% correct, accurate for all times in ways that may not be apparent for years. But that doesn't mean it's not useful. I mean, that's how you discover penicillin. 
Yeah, well, I mean, right. But what we don't remember is the is the like thousands of people that were injected with human feces and died in the search for penicillin. And right. And ideally, as I understand the process, which is a process I don't actually understand, but part of it is documenting the times that it, it didn't work. This is where you get into the file drawer effect, where you only publish the results that turned out the way you wanted. You know, to, it seems like to, you really have to, it has to be replicable and you have to talk about ways that it might not be re- replicable. And, you know, that, that desire to find not the truth with a capital T, but like what I can prove for now and document it. That's the real science. The real science is not having some article that, you know, shows up on public radio. It's about that search for what I, what I can prove, how I think I can prove it. And then how that maybe fits into something else. But that's a much more humble kind of science. Well, and I think that's exactly what I'm getting at because in the social sciences and politics, um, there is really, really, really a strong trend and very little uh, incentive to admit when a thing doesn't work. Uh, because if that's, a, if that's a not going to get you, that's not going to get you headlines, right? In, well, in the science page also, of the local paper, it also doesn't. This is the problem, right? A, a theory feels so gratifying when you when you when you feel like it explains everything, and to abandon it, to abandon aspects of it or it entirely is really destabilizing and it makes you feel awful and and you realize that it isn't everything isn't explained by a by a sort of book or a paragraph in a book and there's no incentive to do it because I mean you know when when we started calling them the social sciences we were trying to give them the imprimatur of science because we thought we could use the scientific method to investigate these these sort of uh, soft ideas or or, or <clears throat> hard to prove things that were, that are only pr- provable in mass aggregate over hundreds of years or something. But we've sort of abandoned the science side of it, and it's now just. It's become a thing where your conviction versus my conviction and any 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 feeling of doubt within yourself or any feeling of doubt within your community where you're like, did this work? Is this working? Mm-hmm. Does this is this accurate is really shouted down um, because it's because it's understood to it's kind of undermine counter revolutionary. That's right. Counter revolutionary under undermine our our uh, our great struggle. And that's the that's the thing, the feeling of like, oh, this isn't this actually isn't it's not that any one particular idea or any or any group of ideas is is uh, plaguing me. It's more that this isn't a method. This isn't a future method. This isn't what we'll be doing forever. We will again remember that we have to test things, and when they don't work, we have to have the courage to say they don't work. Right. And that rather than trying to shore up whatever flimsy proof you have that it does work. Yeah, or just say, or or to make those excuses <laughs> that it doesn't work because of. You know, because of all these external factors that we can't control and we need to, if we just keep applying our program that doesn't work long enough, it will be shown to work after we have changed every other condition. <laughs> uh, 
And, you know, yeah. and that is... That's, that's that, getting some pretty good traction in a, in a certain light-colored house in uh, D.C. right now. <laughs> well, and in and in the left, even more or or, or equally as much. No, we just, and we ha- basically, we have nicer chicken bones. That's... <laughs> <laughs> we're doing we're doing the same voodoo, but we think our chicken bones, you know, have a graduate degree. Yeah, our stone soup has more stone. <laughs> now it's twenty percent more stone. <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Casper. You can learn more about Casper right now by visiting Casper.com slash supertrain. Listen carefully. Casper is a company that is focused on sleep. To this end, Casper has created one perfect mattress that it sells directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven and inflated prices. Casper's award-winning mattress was developed in-house. It has a sleek design, and it is delivered in an impossibly small box. In addition to the mattress, Casper now also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. Now, that in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress. It is obsessively engineered, and presented to you at a shockingly fair price. Shocking. So it's no surprise that they've received over 20,000 reviews online with an average of 4.8 stars. Casper's mattress is made of a supportive memory foam. It's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design helps you to regulate your temperature throughout the night. Casper makes quality mattresses at great prices, and they are designed, developed, and assembled in America They've cut the hassle and cost of dealing with showrooms, and they're passing those savings directly onto you. I know whereof I speak. I live in a household where uh, all of the humans sleep on Casper mattresses. We probably should get a Casper for our cat, but honestly, we just don't like her that much. But uh, my wife and I, my daughter, we all sleep on a Casper. We all love it. We have uh, very recently acquired a Casper uh, with my very own money for my daughter, and she loves it. She stacks them up like, a, like the Princess and the Pea type situation. It's the best. Buying a Casper mattress, I got to tell you, it is completely risk-free. This is because Casper offers free delivery and free returns to the U.S. and Canada with a 100-night home trial. Surely you've heard of this by now. You tried this, you sleep on it 100 nights. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Because Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially when you factor in that you're going to spend about a third of your life on it. And right now, you can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash supertrain and using the very special offer code supertrain. One word, supertrain. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking for some relief. I'm just uh, looking for something to put my imagination. I, I can't. I can't put it in this in these stone soups. It just, uh, you know, it just it keeps swimming to the top and saying, "Will you please pluck me back oh, out?" We had a we had a else? we had a kind of school related Easter activity this weekend. My wife and um, another parent put together this egg hunt for the kids. It was really fun. But I ended up talking to this buddy of mine um, who I've worked with a lot in the past, and you know we are aligned on many many things. Oh, you know who it is. It's your. It's, remember when I interviewed you in my yard, and my friend yeah. with the glasses was there, and he brought his friend who kept talking, and you yelled at him. Uh-huh. This is my friend with the glasses. Yeah, your friend with the glasses. We're he talking. was a very. He was a very good uh, help to me. He's he a good, good man. Friend. He's a good man. Yeah. Thorough. Very professional. Our, nice our, our daughters go to school together now. Hmm. So, but he. Uh, we were talking, and you know. The, the, of course, as with any Easter occasion in 2017, eventually you turn to talking about ugh, just everything. 
And uh, boy, he's so much more on top of the ball. Like he's like scheduled time to go like make calls and do stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so I'm so covered with shame about how much I'm still just sitting there going, I don't understand anything. I just want to understand things again. <laughs> You gave me the opportunity to pull out two wonderful quotes that are widely known. I want to cite these quotes here with credit. Uh, Credited to Helmuth von Moltke. No battle Mm. plan survives contact with the enemy. That's right. That's a wonderful That's quote. Right. It's a great. It's a great quote, and I say it all the time. And it's it's been adapted to many different. Uh, as of course, you know, the computer people they're always uh, grokking yeah. other people's things, as you know. Yeah, but, they do. Um, they you like know, that. no, uh, you know, no, no documentation survives contact with the user. <laughs> any, any of those kinds of things. And then the other one from the great uh, classical philosopher Mike Tyson: Everybody has a plan till they get punched in the mouth. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's true. You know. Yeah. Uh, yep. I. Uh, I. I've been. Um, I've been chewing on chewing on some ideas. I, I've been. Uh, I. I realized uh, yesterday as I was, I was I was cleaning my house yesterday. My house is. I've let it go uncleaned. I let the yard go un trimmed hmm. for a couple of seasons and everything had gone to everything had gone to chaos there were there were receipts from 711 where i never go oh, from God. like 2013 sort of laying around yeah like you, you not, might need those well and just like how did this <laughs> what how did this end up here how did wh- how why would i put this down on a table and how is it still here yeah what that, that is that says bad things. That's it, and like it's it's not disputable. There's nothing no. where you get you don't get a, an appeal on this. There is, as we used to say in mil- military school, no excuse, sir. There is no, no ex- there's no excuse because the piles speak for themselves. They are in chronological order, except for the time you must it up a bit trying to find something actually useful amidst all of your kipple. Yeah, there it is. But so I'm, I spent an entire day. Let's call it two days. Mm. <clears throat> I've been working on the. I've been working on the yard for several weeks, but I and I did some things that I'd been planning to do for years. Like I chopped the top out of my ugly apple tree and let it do what it's going to do. Let it fare its own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if this apple tree can't hang, then it's out of here. My mom is very unsentimental about trees. <laughs> And, <laughs> Unlike other things, <laughs> and I could take a, I could take a lesson from her. But this tree, I, I was just like, you know what? I've hated the top of you for a long time, and you're gone. Uh, but that's been over the past couple of weeks. But the last two days, I decided I was going to clean the house. I was going to do a deep, deep dive, and I realized that I could work on a project in the house for a sustained hour before I needed a 20 minute vacation. Mm-hmm. And I'd never, because I'd, I'd never like, I'd never seen it in action this way because I have these stupid, stupid, stupid little games on my phone that are just so stupid. And I, they, and they're some, still getting to you. And some monkey part of my brain is just like, well, got 20 minutes to kill. Yeah. Might as well go bloop, 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 yeah. bloop, bloop on my, so I worked all I worked from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. yesterday cleaning the house and I took six 20 minute breaks um to go but I worked diligently the rest of the time. That's still better than most people on a given day, I would postulate. 
I and and way better than I normally do. Yeah. But what was interesting was that uh, I didn't I didn't chastise myself for the twenty minute breaks because the hour I'd gotten a lot done, and so I was like, I'm going to take a little break, yeah. and I would play the thing until I would hit that point where my brain had turned to mush. There wasn't anything else here to find, and then I went back, and I it really was a a kind of workflow. And I wonder if there isn't something there for me to mine. Mm -hmm. You're saying there's no reason you can't extend that to your indoor pseudo digital life. Well, and to, to, to everything, to writing songs, like work on it for an hour Mm -hmm. and then go take 20 minutes where you do this, like where you play minesweeper and then back at it instead of, and recognize that the minesweeper playing is also part of the work day. It's part of the, it's, it's an in, integral part of the hour. Um, Can I share something 20... with you? Yeah, I'm dying. Well, in the days when I was considered by some to be a productivity guru, uh, I wrote about this, and I called it the procrastination dash, which is just the idea. This is I've since heard this called things like the Pomodoro technique. Sure, whatever. But the basic idea was, of my idea was, if there's something you've been putting off, remember there's light at the end of the tunnel and this could go for anything it doesn't have to be something you're procrastinating but like the idea is you spend n minutes working on the thing n and minutes. then no matter what you stop at the end of those arbitrary n minutes i would say 20 minutes at the end of that 20 minutes you take a five minute break or an x minute break you decide what the, what the you know the n and the x is mm-hmm. but the idea is you build in that like i know I'm only going to have to do this thing for so long, and then I'm going to go do this other thing. Then maybe it's a thing I like, or maybe it's a thing that's different. But like you know, if you try to organize, uh, instead of saying I'm going to spend three hours on this, if you instead you say I'm going to spend the, this number of these twenty minute cycles on this, uh-huh. I think that's I think that's a good way to kind of bang on your brain a little bit and to make it make it totally doable. Bang on the brain because it at least helps you get bang on the brain with a baseball brain. <laughs> bang a brain in the head. You at least you know the 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 thing is the trick inside the trick. The double turns out is that it gets you to work on something you've been procrastinating about putting off for whatever reason because you at least get started. The hardest part of anything is getting started, and that's all you, your brain needs to know. I'm not going to die if I get started on this. The hardest part of breaking up is Folgers in your cup, right? Mm, that's the worst part. The worst part of breaking up is Folgers uh-huh. in your cup. We've replaced uh-huh. John's Folgers crystals. With a Minecraft-like game, hmm. I got a new word game I like. I shouldn't uh, tell you. I shouldn't tell you about it. Well, no, I would see a word game would be a massive improvement over these, like basically <laughs> as Chris bleep, bleep games. Well, as Chris Canilia once uh, once put it, uh, putting away the dishes. He's like, all these games that you play are just putting away the dishes. <laughs> Like, I hate putting away the dishes. Why would I play one of these games that's just putting away the dishes? Oh, God. And I'm just like, putting away the dishes, putting (laughs) them away, putting those dishes up. So a word game at least would be using, like, some other part of the part of my brain that recognizes letters. Yeah, yeah. What is it? You really want to know? Well, yes. It's called type shift. Type shift. One word. And type shift, you you get this little, imagine like a... um, like a little clicky combination lock on a suitcase where you got the little turny things. Different. Yeah. So basically these letters drop down and there's several uh, letters in each of however many vertical rows and you move them around to create words and you try and create as many words as you can in a short period of time. I'm not really selling it very well, but it's yeah. there's several different versions of it inside of the game and it's really fun. It's not horribly addictive. It's not like that terrible threes game, but oh, it, is, it is really enjoyable. 
All right. Well, I, I'll I'll give it a try. I usually those games that are like racing with somebody else to come up with as many words as you can with four letters. Hmm. I, yeah. I, I, mm, it's like people say to me all the time, you should come join our trivia game, our trivia team, our pub trivia team, pub trivia team. And I'm like, no, thank you. That mm-hmm. just, I mean, it's that, that stressful. It does to sit there and be like, oh, what was the name of the second Bananarama LP? And then somebody else has it and you're just like, fuck. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't no. want that in my life. No, 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 no. You don't want that. No, 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 no. <sighs> I just found, I'm sitting here on the table. I I, uh, I was cleaning, I was cleaning up. I've been moving a lot of stuff to my office, moving stuff that I realized doesn't belong in my house. Sure. Got to go to the office. That, 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 that causes an unusual mode of thinking. A very it really does. New, I'm, seriously, it's a novel way of having to think about your life and how it gets segmented. Well, I mean, not just you, but anybody else who happens to be involved in your house, like how it affects them. Like, does this really need to be here? Yeah, right, right. Like, uh, like I... So my, I, I yeah. like I like these six boxes of comic books to be at the house, but nobody else really needs that. Even yeah. I don't really need that. No, no. I my dad went through a long, long phase throughout the late seventies. Throughout, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Throughout the from about seventy three, uh, if if my research indicates correctly, from about seventy three to probably eighty three, my dad fell victim to the disease, the mental disorder of thinking that slides were better than prints. All right. Oh, have boy. we talked about this before? You might have, but I want to hear it again. Well, slides, slides, you get a, you get a really high quality image. You get a high quality image that you can only see projected against the wall of your living room. Or in one of those cool little dinguses where you, where you stick it into the little viewer. Yeah, but who wants to look at pictures that way? Nobody I mean, anymore. I, Nobody anymore. Well, and who wants to look at them at all, right? And so my dad took my dad took 20,000 pictures on slides. And then at some point along the way, he felt like he needed to have those slides ready to view. And so he started buying slide reels, the the circular the sort of carousels, that's right. The, like you're like it's a machine gun, mm-hmm. and he bought <clears throat> I don't know twenty five carousels and loaded them with slides and then put them back in the box <laughs> and I'm sure never looked at them again. Yeah, yeah. And so now I inherited twenty five full carousels. Which... We, have the, we have the same box in our. We have a giant, giant box of my father in law slides. In carousels. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a. It was like a weird. It was like going to Est. It was a. It was a collective, <laughs> like, like, like. Yeah. What do they call that? A uh, like a collective the, delusion or something. Yeah, hysteria or something. Yeah. And so I have all these slides, and I have them here at the house, right? Because pictures belong at the house. Mm. And then I realized these pictures do not belong at the house. These pictures belong at the office. And one day, and the thing about them is so many of them were like, uh, well, they're constructing the pipeline. And my dad got hired by a pipeline service company to provide the framework for um, like high school equivalency degrees for the guys who were welding the pipe. Hmm. And so my dad goes up. He, he had this kind of thing going on all the time. My dad started a university at one point. And so he went up 
uh, he went up to the pipeline as it was being built, like early 70s. And in the style that he had, he had his Canon AE-1. And he just, he seemingly just pointed the camera <laughs> randomly without looking through the eye hole. That's, that's back when you had to kind of, uh, you had to tweak a lot of stuff to get a good photo. Yeah. And you wouldn't and so, know if it was a good photo until you got it developed. That's right. And so there are all these pictures of like, well, there's a dirt parking lot full of pipe. And there's the back end of a truck and the door of a mobile home. Oh, boy. And He's pretty, pretty picky about this, huh? And there's the coffee maker inside the mobile home. It's very dark. It's very dark in there because he didn't adjust the F-stops. Mm. Uh, so there's the coffee maker. I think I can make it out. And then there are like three guys standing around in sunglasses that know, that he didn't know, let alone me. So today you so get an so- AI that did a better job of this. Well, and I, and so, but the, but my disease, his, his disease was that my disease is this, uh, is this the disease of, here is an envelope of pictures of people you never knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> That's your legacy. You, you, yeah, you're the steward of that. But one day, like, there aren't that many pictures of the pipeline being built, even poorly taken. I mean, I guess there are probably millions of pictures of the pipeline being built, but there aren't pictures of the pipeline being built that are so inartfully done. And maybe there's someone out there that's like, that's the only extant picture of that particular brand of coffee maker. All right. No one ever thought to take that picture. My dad died a week after that, and that's the only photo of him we have from that time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. I mean, isn't that, isn't that part, part of the thinking? Is like, yeah. what if this is precious in a way that is not clear from the seemingly useless, low-quality nature of it as I understand it? Yeah, like what if, <laughs> what if this in is the somebody's favorite thing and I just don't know it? In the background of one of these photos, there's a mound, and it turns out, 50 years from now, someone discovers that that mound is actually an Alaskan pyramid. Oh! Yeah. And and everybody's like, what? And suddenly, pictures of that Alaskan pyramid accidentally taken in the background of the Alaska Pipeline Construction Company, um, they're like, they're crucial evidence. I don't know. It's not like And you come whipping should... into court with your carousels, clickety-clack. <laughs> <laughs> wait, your wait, honor? your honor. This <laughs> uh, whole so court's I... out of order. <laughs> and, and <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> I, I, Who are you, sir? <laughs> what, what I need to do is set this, set a, 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 a slide projector up and sit in my darkened office and watch these slides and take the few out that mean anything. But then you have mm-hmm. four slides with no context that at some point in your life you thought meant something and you took them out of their context and then forever, forever after, they are rootless, huh. meaningless, floating nothing. You're the memory thief. Yeah, right. And then the rest of the slides are what? What are they? Mm-hmm. They're just like campfire starters, or you send them to Goodwill and some artist buys them. Like, I keep imagining that there are artists out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if there are, but there used to be artists out there that would go to thrift stores and buy old photographs until there was such a glut of old photographs that whoever those artists were, they did all their art. 
there's nobody out there making art of old people's, you know, prom photos. And all those websites that are like bad <laughs> hair. If only I had more photos of a mobile home door. <laughs> I have a whole concept of this art that I'm making from the Alaska I, pipeline. I call it portals. <laughs> And that, and so, what are they? Yeah, right. Collective memory, but they're not useful. We have, you know, we have every like Peggy Sue got married is all we need to know about the fifties. Why do I need what is essentially a five hundred person haircut, uh, like repository? That's all it is. It's just like, well, here's some haircuts, right? <laughs> this guy had a different haircut than that guy. Like. Here they no, are. hang on. In the five-person, what is it? Five-person, 500-person haircut? What? Repository. Repository. So are you saving, is it photos of the haircuts or you're saving the clipped hair? No, I don't have access to their hair, but, <laughs> but one, you know, one day people will be like, now how, I know that the, I know how like the Fonz wore his hair, oh, but how I a regular see. guy wear his hair? Right. But, but if you wanted to do that, you'd go to the library or the thrift store and buy all the yearbooks. And you'd have them all there in in a book. These are all basically yearbook photos of the Van Wert High School class of 1950. Why do you need those? Mm-hmm. There's a year for those. Anyway, the only reason to keep them is that you're an artist or that you know an artist or that you believe there are artists still who do collage work. Collage artists. Sure. Multimedia. You're putting art. them out of business. When you sort those slides, who knows what you're doing to, to the uh, the collage industry? That's right. That's mm. right. It's hard, you know, and you, it's, it's, uh, you know, when I've tried to do cleanups in the past, I've found a lot of resistance to getting started. I found it very painful at first, but the, the feeling I inevitably, almost inevitably, inevitably get to is, oh my God, I really probably could have just thrown almost all of this away sight unseen, but I didn't, you know, it got yep. sorted, it got, you know, yep. triaged, but like, you know, uh, when you're done, you have a lot less stuff than you started with. And you, sometimes I feel a quickening where I'm like, Oh God, give me more. Now I want to, especially if like I got to call it a hauler, you know, dump guy or something like that. I'm like, I really want this to be worth the money and the time <laughs> I want to fill that man's white truck with Kipple. Well, and, and that happened to me yesterday. I got a big box, and I was like, all this stuff's going to the office. And I started throwing shoe boxes full of wall warts and quarter-inch oh, cables God. and old guitar picks and, and weird, like, ah. And I'm throwing it all in this box. And if it had been a dumpster, I would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Like, if it had been a dumpster, I never would have thought of these things again. But as it is, I'm going to take it to my office, and I'm going to go through. I'm going to put all the quarter-inch cables in this, and I'm going to put all the broken picks in that. And... And I, it should have just been, it could have been a hole in the earth. And I should remember that. I should remember that, it, that you know, as soon as you start hucking it into that guy's white truck, mm-hmm. just just fill that truck up, you know? like best, best gift you can give yourself if you got the space to have it there for a few days is rent yourself a three-yard dumpster. Whew. Is that There's, good? Well, I've been involved, without saying too much, I've been involved in things that involved having to go through a lot of things very quickly and in a difficult way. And I will just say that my one bulwark against madness was the ability to whip something through the air toward a very, very large target and know mm-hmm. that I wouldn't look at it again. And you don't have to but, think about it. You don't have to be precious. You don't have to disassemble anything. You just throw it into the three-yard dumpster and it goes away. But it's there for a few days in case. <laughs> well, in a case. nice three-yard dumpster. I'm looking at some here. These are nice. You can actually buy one of these. You, um, you got the flip up top. You probably got a dual flip up top. And sometimes you get a little door. 
And you can mm-hmm. go in through the little door if you want to go in there and like have lunch or something. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I think that's a big difference. I mean, I'm, I don't mean to be accidentally reverting to my former uh, retired career, but like, I think there's a big difference if you, if you go into a situation where you need to clean stuff out and you've brought like a single Chinese food takeout bag, the, the results are going to be very different than if you had brought a 13-gallon hefty bag, will be very different than if you had brought a giant contractor bag, will be very different, here's a big one, contractor yep. bag in a big uh, hefty, like uh, clean up after a party st- size. Oh, uh, sure, sure, sure. Because you don't have to, You your goal is just fill, I want to see as many black contractor bags at the end of the day as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, setting aside being green and stuff, whatever, that's fine. But like, if you've really got to do that, you don't want to feel constrained by like, which one should I put this in? Is right. this the USB cables I save versus the <laughs> USB cables that I donate? I somehow in here, and I, I thought it might have come from you. There was a brand new, uh, uh, mostly unused, or I guess that's the definition of brand new. That yes. was a redundancy. No, um, it, one of those uh, plug your computer in direct to the modem with a cable. Mm-hmm. What is that called? A hot you, cable or a, uh, sure? Uh, you mean talking about a hot cable? And pancake table. Yeah, yeah if you're if you're cable. hot cabling, you want to use the pancake table. Cable. table cable. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So it was a hot cable. But you don't throw that out. That's brand new and unused. That it feels was wasteful. Two hundred feet long. What? Oh, it it's a uh, Ethernet cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at one time you needed to run Ethernet way, way, way up to like the second floor, right? But this was two hundred feet. This could go over to my neighbor's house. Sure. <laughs> and and <laughs> Gary, like, Gary could make a little house out of it. Yeah, and I was like, what the? How would I ever? Like, this is something that, you know, that sometimes, you know, one of the great things about you, Merlin, is that sometimes you're just like, oh, that's a good idea. And you push it, you push the button on Amazon and it shows up at my house. Ding. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this thing, you know, it's like cabled like a, like an anchor chain on a ship. (laughs) And I was like, what am I going to do with this? It's like heavy to pick up. And, but it, it was unused and it seemed eminently useful. What if I want to hot cable into something? And then I realized it needs to go to the it needs to go to Goodwill. Somebody is going to want to run internet to their friend's house, and this is the thing they're going to string it up through the trees like Christmas lights, mm-hmm. and it's going to bring internet to the world. It could be there could be a, a collage uh, artist who's uh, recently decided to go digital, and they need a way to get it up to their treehouse where they like to put their collages together. Boop, boop, boop. You're you're affording that. The one thing I was worried about is if I had used it. Was my IP address in there still somewhere? A lot of your data is probably still in that pipe. Yeah, should I have deleted it or... Yeah, or you want to reset the firmware on it and reflash it. it. Right, and okay. then you want like a toothpick, squeeze it real hard to get the last little bits out. Because a lot of the, the, the special characters at that point will be out. But a lot of the lowercase letters mm-hmm. and, uh, and numbers will still be in there. You don't want that. Well, I know we're all very worried about hackers and mm-hmm. hacking. Hacking. And ha- hacker, hacker Stan. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, I, the, the hackers from Hackerstan are like some of the. Oh, they're, they're the worst. They create all those bots, they call it. Yeah. And Bot, so, I, so I was just worried, like, about all this stuff, all these USB cables and wall warts and stuff, whether there's like. Oh, yeah, I know. At this point, I, there's so much stuff I need to throw out. And I feel like I need to go, like, full on Mr. Robot and, like, drill through old hard drives and throw it into a crematorium or something. <laughs> That's so Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm right so up here. Good. Mm. I I have too many. Well, here's the other thing. I bought at your recommendation many years ago. Now, <laughs> I, uh, like how, I like how much of this comes back to me. 
Well, this is since we're since we're on. Uh, know, this is the opportunity a, to bring it up. No, since we're on a run where you're revisiting your uh, your career as a former executive um, salesperson. Hello. Uh, uh, who talked into his shoe phone? His shoe. <laughs> that's, back, that's back when I was Merlin Man. You remember that? Um, I figured we'd go all the way back to when I bought one of those tiny little video cameras that was called a flip. Oh, that's a, a great camera. I love my flip camera. I had three of them. I loved them. Well, yeah, well, yeah, right. And and so I bought one because I was like, flip, woohoo! I'm joining the flip revolution. Oh, oh, and, most and, of the most of the best video we have of my daughter was with the flip phone because it was there was zero resistance. You would just whip it out and hit the button. That's all there was. It's even easier than with an iPhone. Certainly not as good video, but like one night we this is really lame. But one night uh, it occurred to me that my daughter will not always be washed in a bucket for the rest of her life. And when she was an infant, we shot the entire bath all the way up to getting her ready for bedtime. And I'm so glad I've got it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but that. But I would have done that if I had to go. Well, let me go get the handy cam and make sure right. it doesn't have Days of Our Lives on it. But then something happened. I, just as I was getting into my flip, I, I got something, something in the mail, some registered letter that was like, "We're no longer supporting the flip platform." And then it <laughs> you all got a registered letter about that. Yeah, and then it all went. Uh, it all went poof in a day. Mm-hmm. Like it couldn't. There wasn't. Uh, what was it? The, the hot plug didn't work anymore. No, or, I think yeah. they did stop. It stopped pancaking under uh, yeah. relevant environmental uh, resources. So you'd plug it in, and it would just say error, error, error. That's that's a goddamn shame. Mine are still sitting there in the closet. I had one. I had one, and then I got the upgraded one. One of them broke. I bought another, so I've got a total of three. And I, I, I think you can still pop it in and get your stuff off it. I think. Really? Yeah, you still got you still got a computer that has a USB port on it, so you'll be good to go. Yes, yes, I do. Boy, you're are gonna you? love the, you're gonna love the next time you need to get a Mac. Are you post USB? <laughs> uh, I have a laptop that has a headphone jack and yeah. exactly one port on it. So, and, but it and does it's not have a, a head- it's not a port that I've ever used in my life. So it's an entire new world of dongles for me. And what kind of port is it? It's called a USB C. Oh, and it's approximately just if you eyeballed it, it would look pretty much like the um, uh, what's it called lightning cable for your phone. It's about that size, but it's not that size. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so, when you say dongles, what? How do you get stuff on a dongle? Well, that means that, like you know, if you're like most of the planet and you've got lots of stuff that's the kind of classic USB little boxy shape. Like you need the the most basic one. I've got one where I this is really boring. But you plug in the the dingus. So I've got a thing that's a little uh, hub. So you put, put a USB the hub. hub. The mail guy goes into your Mac, and then you use a cord uh, cable to power that device, and it, that gives you three like uh, USB three. I'm picturing this, and it's oh, it's making me so hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, but if you want to have Ethernet, no, who, who who has Ethernet anymore? Why would anybody need that? If you want you to get to your it. USB thumb drives, what? Yeah, you need something uh, like that. No, 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 you don't need that stuff. So, how long will we be able to traffic in vintage computers until they no longer work? Um, you know, there's always going to be people who are interested in old computers, but unless it's in really good condition, it's sort of like comic books. Like nobody, nobody wants a busted ass comic book. But I mean, if I went if I went on the internet right now and I bought a very good quality, high quality computer from just the most recent future where it still had ports, mm-hmm. would I be able to? Use, would that be useful to me? Into like how, how long? How long would it yeah, be useful? Yeah, yeah. How long? I mean, I'm considering getting a getting a desktop. 
but I don't want to go all the way into uh, right. this thing where the desktop is just like a it's just like a cue ball that pulses at me. No, I understand. You don't want that. You don't want like a Logan's Run computer. Well, I, I would no. be remiss. I will be I will be reprimanded via text message by John Sarkusa if I don't advise you that yes, I can help you with this. This is yes. not the perfect time to do that, but it will no, be no, no, it will be time not. soon. But okay. uh, if it's a if it sounds like you're talking about a desktop with a laptop, in some ways the the thing that's inevitably going to go is the battery because the battery can only do so many charges and and the capacity goes down and down much like the human mind uh what would still be useful if you buy a you bought a um, typical mac laptop today you, you will pretty definitely it's like buying a toyota like it's not fancy uh-huh. but it'll be fine you know it, the toyota runs for 300,000 miles well yeah honestly like i my last laptop which i finally retired i bought in 2010 which is like a million years ago in laptop mm-hmm. years but if you bought if you bought a laptop today um and uh, it's not the greatest time to buy a laptop it's not a good time to buy anything but an ipad right now um so if you did do that and you know the one i got my laptop was very uh, inexpensive as laptops mm. go what do but, you know? But you don't want that. It's only got one port. But you no, could get, if you wanted a laptop, you could get like a refurbished MacBook Pro that's still got a lot of miles on the tires, and it's not as costly. It's, what it's I want thing. is a computer with a quarter-inch cable in. Yep. Quarter-inch quarter inch cable. If you're going to hot pancake it, you want to be able to have, if you want to flapjack your uh, your bandwidth, mm-hmm. you want to have right. a quarter-inch cable. I want a, I want a, a, a three-quarter, three-and-a-quarter-inch floppy drive. Oh, I still, sure. You might I need still, that for your work. I still have a lot of floppies that have stuff on them. Oh, me too. And I'm not sure what is on the floppies. And it might be like, I had this terrible, I had this terrible thing when my dad was uh, moving out of his, his uh, final apartment. My siblings were all there, all my useless siblings. Uh, and, and, and my very useful sister was not there. That it was just me and the useless ones. Yeah. And we were going through his house and we were like, oh, this is garbage. And he had some, it wasn't even a Dell. It was like a, I don't know, a compact maybe, maybe or some. A, like a gateway? A gateway. It was some kind of PC that he used to sit and, you know, hunt and peck uh, emails to me that were like, John, I hope you're fine. You know, uh, um, fuck you. Love dad. <laughs> And uh, and so here was this computer. A lot stronger when he was younger. (laughs) Here was this computer, and I was like, "Get that out of here! That nobody's ever going to use that." And then, like six years later, I sat up in bed in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, and I was like, "What if he was secretly writing his memoirs?" Oh Jesus! You don't need that in your head. What if that whole time (sighs) he had been secretly tapping away, and then in seventy-two. Mm. I bought the pair of plaid pants that I would wear to court every time for the next 14 years. That's, a lot, that's a lot of theoretical responsibility, John. Yep, yep. So I, I, so I had to say, like, well, if he had been doing that, it would have been very hard to... It would have been unreadable because he didn't know how to type. So Good. All right, good. Off your plate. Via Matata into the three yard dumpster. I have a lot of things I wrote and things that I drew. This is before they invented invented, uh, internet pornography, uh, even before they you know invented the internet. Really, so you Uh, you were drawing you were drawing naked pictures. Yeah, sitting there in Mac Paint making making dicks. (laughs) Look at that! Look at that! Look at that! 
I I actually thought about that the other day. There was a time in I don't know eighth grade maybe where I sat and drew dirty pictures. Sure, I I made some very anatomically incorrect vaginas in my day. Because <laughs> what I, I had, imagined it looked like it looked like somebody dropped a mango. I had these dirty pictures that I drew of like people <laughs> having sex as I imagined it. Sure. And I used to hide them. I would roll the dirty pictures up that I had drawn into a lamp. I hid them inside a lamp. (laughs) That's good spycraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's going to look inside the lamp? No one. And the lamps of that family of lamp have stayed with me until the present day. And I was walking through the house and I I looked at one of these lamps and I was like, wait a minute. No. That's the lamp that I hid the dirty pictures in. <gasps> no. But I didn't open it. Mm-hmm. I looked at it and I was like, Leave I it. wonder if there are if I if there are long lost dirty pictures in that lamp and then I just walked. Yeah, I just walked. Now, should you so, feel like you should at least document? It's sort of like that uh, that uh, Nicolas Cage movie uh where where they find uh you know the the what is it? The, the Declaration of Independence has a treasure map on it. Oh, yeah. Sh- shouldn't you leave a clue? Say, here's the places to look for my hand-drawn pornography. I mean, this is part of your legacy. Make it easy for others. I'm wondering. I mean, if I if I pulled it out, I would probably want to take pictures of it and put it on Instagram, and then you those would get flagged, would. and I'd get banned. No, ban hammer. You, yeah, yeah. And they're drawn in pencil, too, so oh, I don't know. Oh, no, they're degrading every day. I guess. I yeah. guess they're on notebook paper in pencil. Oh, God. I, don't, I cannot... I cannot remember. I, one of the first things that ever happened when I... Turned on my IBM 64K PC with dual disk drives mm. and booted up WordStar and started to learn how to use WordStar, use all, learn all the hotkey commands. <laughs> or the, what were they? They weren't hotkey. They were like, they were the commands you did in basic, right? Yeah, for sure. That would give you italics or your, what, capital letters even. Um but so I'm sitting there in base, or, and the thing is, my mom got me this computer. She worked in computers, and she was like, "This will help you with your homework." Mm-hmm. Because back then they were selling these 64k computers, like manage your finances with our new financial man, which is still how they're selling computers. Let's be honest. Yeah, true. Uh, nobody does it. Nobody manages their finances. Let's just say, full stop. Nobody manages their finances at all. It's like cutting the ends off the roast. It's something it's people like, talk about. Nobody does it. Nobody does. It. Mm-mm. But Balance I, I, your I, checkbook. Give me a break. Come on. Who did that? Balance your checkbook. What are you, a Boeing engineer? Yeah, come on. You got this guy over here. I haven't, I haven't balanced the checkbook since, uh, since Nevermind was out. I, I got, a, I got a, 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 a message on Facebook the other day from a gal that I had not thought of in a long, long time who was married to a friend of mine. And it was not a private message. It was just a post on my page. Is that on your wall, John? On my wall. Do they still have walls on Facebook? I'm not sure. I go there once a week. Mm -hmm. But there was a post on my wall and it said, hey, John, I found these old tapes in uh, some guy was clearing out his basement. uh, He didn't say some guy. He said Chris was cleaning out his basement and he found these tapes because he's moving to Uzbekistan and he brought them by my house and I have them and I and I I still have an ADAP machine that I dug up out of the basement and I listened to the tapes and I think you would like them. Um, I don't 
know how to use email. Or and what did he say? I don't know. I, so he was writing from his wife's account. Hmm. And he said, call me. And he just put his phone number out there on my page for, for God and everybody to see. And this guy is a is a fellow, like a like a maybe a senior fellow or some kind of fellow, an associate fellow hmm. at Boeing. Like he sits at Boeing all day and designs He thinks big like thoughts. Hyperspace airplanes and stuff. And he doesn't know how to communicate with me any way other than by using his wife's Facebook account to post what? on my wall and put his phone number there. What? Like he, he's like, I don't know how to text. I don't know how to private message. I don't know how to do any of these things. Like he works deeply embedded in technology as an engineer. And his wife is his like tech rabbi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoa. That's super because, interesting because he's siloed over here in this crazy AutoCAD world. And he never, ever, ever did the, like, internet thing. But, I mean, on the, this is a little flimsy, but it feels like a veteran auto mechanic who doesn't know how to drive. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Well, you know, he doesn't, he lives across the street from the plant. He never needed to learn how to drive. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, I mean that, <clears throat> we think of the internet as being computers mm-hmm. and science, but you remember that moment in 1994. I mean, I remember when my friend Phil Ellis was like, I'm on the Internet. We were like, what's that? And he said, well, watch. I'm going <laughs> to send, okay. <laughs> send this this message to a guy in Georgia. And when we come back here in six hours, there'll be a reply from him. Mm-hmm. And we were like, no, get out of here. And we all stood around and watched these two guys have this super boring conversation that, you know, over the course of weeks. And I was like, that's amazing. But. But my friend Ian did not find it that amazing and so didn't pursue it. And I think probably within Boeing, there's you're even disincentivized to log on to the outside world hmm. from inside your your secret airplane. Ain't that design. interesting? Yeah. It's oh, like, but anyway. like you're in the skiff, right? Yeah, you're in the skiff. Yeah. You're in there with your 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 with your building blocks and you're building super space aircraft, but mm-hmm. If you need to, I mean, I bet you those guys still wheel a cart down to the library, mm-hmm. like the Boeing library, and they pull big dusty tomes off the wall. Oh, and boy, I hope out. they do. I hope they do. That's a nice image. There are people there that have worked at Boeing for 50 years, from a time when they were building airplanes out of balsa wood. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Well, all, all by way of saying, when I first sat... Are you going to get the tapes before he goes to where is it, Uzbekistan? Well, so... No, this is the other thing. This guy, Chris, that he's talking about. Oh, Chris found these tapes and he's, he brought them over. I'm like, Chris, who are you talking about? Ian, I haven't talked to you in 20 years. I don't know who Chris is. Mm-hmm. And then I sat and thought and I was like, ADAT tapes, ADAT tapes. Chris, Chris. <gasps> Chris is the guy with the rooster and the El Camino. You're kidding. Chris was Rooster El Camino, dude. <sighs> who has the ADAT tapes right. in his basement for all this time. It's ever all coming since, together. Ever since Rooster El Camino days. Yeah. And Ian, Ian talks about him like he's somebody that he and I were just chatting about. I feel like and I'm the he, only person who doesn't remember yet 
let alone talk to everyone they ever knew. Because my friends like, oh yeah, you know Chris. I'm like, what? What Chris? When? Who? Like I, I feel like yes, you and I have met, but who? Who? And you still talk? And like, you, what do you get? Wings? It's like I feel so out of the loop. Well, yeah, and Ian doesn't even know how to use computers or his own phone. How is he still in touch with Chris? Like, Chris El Camino El, El Camino Rooster, yeah. Like, how are they, how is, how did Chris get in touch with them? Like, if Chris was thinking, oh, somebody from the Bun family players needs to come get these tapes, like, he would presumably be able to find me pretty easily. But no, it's Ian. Ian is his point of contact. And it makes it all the more amazing that the connection happened. Well, so I am going <laughs> to figure out a way to listen to these eight <laughs> multi-tracks of the Bun family players playing, you know, uh, proto proto versions of of our like weird weird tunes, weird tracks. Mm. But just another John, another another big pile of media for John. Yeah, there it is. Well, that's what I need is a bunch of boxes of ADAT tapes and all the and the <laughs> ADAT machines that Ian's like, well, while you're here, why don't you just take all this stuff? Put them over by it. the carousels. Boop, 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 <laughs> Somewhere out there, I think in, in my office now is a box that has, I swear to you, my 64K IBM PC. What? And somewhere there is a box of floppy disks. And what what got me off on this was after I did a couple of reports for school on this and printed them out on my little dot matrix printer, I was sitting in the basement one night working on something, and I closed it, and I opened a new file, and I started typing a sex story. I was like, she came into the room, and he was there, and there was a red Corvette parked in the driveway, mm. and... They lowered, they, lowered the, they lowered the lights, and he took off his <laughs> elaborate hat, and she... Oh, please find this, please. She showed her boob, and he was and very... she showed her other boob. He was very, very, very interested in her boob and mm. looked at it very closely, <laughs> and she let him, and... <laughs> and she didn't seem to mind. And I was so I was so turned on by my own writing as I was putting it down, like, oh my god, this mm. is so hot. Teenager's brain is the biggest sex organ. Yeah, and I I couldn't I, like now I can't even put myself into. It. I mean, I don't know. I haven't sat at my computer for a long time and been like her boobs were. <laughs> You could see them, and she didn't even care. They were both there, and you could see them. <laughs> and she said, look at those. And, and she I didn't was like, even I look am. mad. And I took my big hat off, and I said, <laughs> I'm going to just do that then. May I hang up your cape? She said, girlishly. <laughs> and then her dragon, her pet dragon, <laughs> went her. I know, not she said coquettishly. <laughs> she was dressed like the girl on the cover of Heavy Metal, the movie. And then she had a boob out, and then the other boob. Yeah, the two of them. <sighs> That's hot. That's hot. There, so, And the reason I think I still have that 64K IBM PC with dual disk drives is that at some point, because I used it all the way through college, wow. other kids had computers that had color screens. And uh, if not mice, then yeah, some kind of uh, motion gesturing device. Yeah, you get the and little I, uh, laptop with a little red nipple on it. A lot of people had those. 
Yep, and I still had this this computer, sixty four entire K, and we had we were way ahead of the curve in nineteen eighty or eighty one because we got the orange colored screen instead of the green screen. Oh, nice. I still have this stuff, and I think at some point in ninety five, my mom said, "Well, that's probably going to be worth money someday." <laughs> Right. And I said, I don't think so, Mom. Mm-hmm. It's covered with Rainier beer stickers. It's not like a. It's not a. It's not pristine. She was like, Oh, you know, that's what we said about the '56 Chrysler 300. I was like, mm. But anyway, I still have it. Mm. If anybody's interested, contact me. Please email Info. John. <laughs> Info at thelongwinners.com. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's the policy. Two in, one out. <laughs> <laughs> Boobs. Boobs.